Thank you, Ms. Pat. <laughs> Look, uh, glad to welcome those of you who are with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, on our phone live streaming there. Glad to have you with us tonight. Be sure to heart, to like, to share, uh, follow us there, subscribe to us uh, on YouTube. Uh, do all those things that you need to do. Comment especially. Uh, I can't tell you how much that helps uh, to get the word out in front of more and more people. Uh, we have more and more people every week that watch it because you commented and, and those algorithms decided that's something important to share with others because people are commenting on it. So be sure to do that tonight. Uh, comment more than just hi, I'm here. Uh, just say, say a few words there. If you need to give us a prayer request, please do that on Facebook if you have access to Facebook. If you don't, uh, you can also do that on YouTube. You can also do that on Twitter uh, to comment in the comments there. So be sure to do that. Or you can call the church office and leave a message. We'll be glad to add your prayer request to the list. But we'll only be watching the live stream on Facebook tonight to be able to give those prayer requests uh, live. If you do have access to a computer, though, we encourage you to uh, hop over, open another window, another tab there, go over to highlandbaptistchurch.com. Under the info tab, you can download uh, the worship bulletin there, so be sure to get that downloaded, uh, especially as Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas events are getting ready to start happening also. Uh, so we want to encourage you to be looking at all the upcoming things, upcoming ways you can be involved uh, in missions efforts and reaching out to people uh, in our community. Um, and we'll share more about that in just a moment. But be sure to get that downloaded. Download the children's worship bulletins if you need the printed version there in the windowsill to my right. And then especially for tonight, download our prayer list there. Uh, that's why you'll find the uh, updated prayer list under the info tab there. If you need that in person, I think I see them on both ends of the pews here. If somebody comes in late, would you please make sure they get one? While you're on the church website there, go to that far right-hand side. Click the Give Online tab there. You can do your online giving. You can do it as a one-time gift, a recurring gift. Uh, you can designate it to the budget offerings. You can designate it to other specific offerings we're doing. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, you can do that in the offering plates also if you're here in person. Uh, we do have envelopes that are in the pews as well as around in the windowsills and our golden offering envelopes are there uh, also. We will be emphasizing soon because we're fixing to hit Thanksgiving next week and then uh, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, begins to kick in. And so we're going to be sharing more about our international missions as we get closer uh, to uh, that. And so just want to share with you to be thinking about that, be praying uh, about that. Uh, we have our angel tree up. We have one angel left on the tree. It's kind of a hide and seek. Go find it. <laughs> so if you, if you want to help us with one, there's one left. Uh, we did put it a little more prominent. It was hidden earlier today. Uh, but be sure to grab one of those angels. Uh, the angel is yours to keep. Uh, the one piece of paper has a place for you to put your name, your num the number that's on the back side. Take it off, put it in the basket there, and then take that home with you. You get to keep the angel. The other piece will have the description of what goes and the sizes, what goes in the bag. Attach that to the bag when you bring it back. And also be sure to pick up one of the bags uh, that are back there on the floor. I think somebody missed a bag, and I think somebody already missed putting the tag in that has their name on it. <laughs> so uh, we're missing one of those. So if you did that, please drop that off uh, for us. Uh, and then uh, we do have also our sign-up sheet uh, out in the hallway here across from, uh, at the offices right there uh, for signing up for Operation Christmas Child for the Processing Center. We have uh, volunteers we need this week for helping uh, to receive boxes and especially Monday, if you can help Monday uh, to load those cartons onto the trailers, that would be awesome. Uh, we need help with that. But we also have an opportunity to go to Atlanta uh, to work at the Processing Center. Both of the times that we have scheduled for this time are on Saturday, so that should help with some people that have to work throughout the week. Uh, there are two different dates. One is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and then the next one is two weeks after that. Both on Saturdays, both pretty close to the same time slots. Uh, there, I think they're about an hour apart from each other, uh, but they're four-hour time slots, and then we'll be coming back that, that evening. And so if you could go on that, we'd love to have you sign up uh, for that. Once you sign up, we'll send you an email uh, with the, the link to go ahead and fill out your forms and everything, so we'll be ready uh, for that. It's a great and awesome thing. If you've never been, uh, it'll change your life and your perspective, especially on the shoeboxes. So if you have shoeboxes, still get those to us. Uh, Sunday morning, we're going to be praying over all these shoeboxes uh, and others. So I think they're actually going to bring a few of the 
cartons over uh, to have those here for us to pray for also, representing all those that'll be uh, going on the trailers. But these are all that we've done from our church, whether that's from Awana or whether that's from you that have brought those, uh, as well as these over here. The ones that are over here in front uh, behind the stand, uh, those are empty boxes. They're already put together. So if you want to take one that's already put together, take one of those. If you know how to put one together, you can take one of the flat ones uh, that are on each side. And then behind this little table is some more shoe boxes. So thank you for those who are helping us uh, in getting those things ready. I uh, just came back from the Tennessee Baptist Convention uh, today. Uh, it was down in Chattanooga. Had a great, great convention. Great spirit. Great spirit of unity. Uh, God is directing us and leading us forward. Next year will be our 150th. Uh, and that's going to be in Murfreesboro. And so you be in prayer all this year. They're going to be celebrating things about the 150th anniversary of the Tennessee Baptist Convention. So uh, thank you for your prayers. Be sure to comment those requests there in Facebook. Uh, Brother Mike's not able to be here tonight. He's doing some testing uh, with his work. And so I uh, want to ask you to turn to page number 132, or you'll see it on the screen. There is power in the blood, power in the blood. So let's stand as we sing. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Could you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood. free from your passion and pride. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's side. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wider, much wider than so? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power. In the blood of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. You can be seated. Hopefully, if you're here in person, you've gotten one of those prayer requests uh, in your hands. If you're at home, hopefully you've uh, gotten one of those uh, downloaded uh, there. Uh, and so let me uh, see if I can switch over. Let me switch it over to Facebook here so I can follow along with our prayer requests that may come from someone online. All right, so as you take a look at your prayer list uh, tonight, you'll notice uh, several that we've added to the list, some we didn't get added uh, on, and so give me just a second here to write one of those down so I don't forget it, because if I don't write it down, I will forget it. <laughs> so if you will, um, be in prayer for, uh, continue to be in prayer for Brother Jack, uh, is still having some tests run to see uh, where things are uh, with him and what the, what the procedures will be 
uh, in uh, his treatment, whatever they might do. And so uh, just trying to figure more things out there with that. So keep him uh, in your prayers. Uh, Jeff Dodson, who's on our prayer list right above him there, uh, he's doing much better. I talked to Kim this evening, uh, and it's almost like she said nothing happened. And so we just praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, Rick German's surgery has been rescheduled for in December, so we do want to keep him in your prayers as he continues to get ready for that. Continue to remember Bill Warren, uh, Jewel Farrell, uh, Sandra Wells, all of those have some medical issues. Uh, Sandra did message me earlier, uh, I think it was either today or last night, that she did get insurance that will begin the 1st of January, so that was one of the things holding her surgery up, so hopefully they'll be able to get that scheduled after the first of the year uh, for her, so we praise the Lord for the answer to prayer for that. Uh, Michelle Olson, she had been in the hospital, so keep her in your prayers. I understand she was here for prime timers yesterday. She had some oxygen that she was using too, but uh, just praise the Lord that she was doing as good as she was because uh, she did, was pretty bad. I uh, do want to remember Brian Tate. He had some uh, procedures today, but he said everything went good uh, from that, so that was a great report to hear from him. And do continue to remember Christopher um, his three weeks that he will be gone will be up this weekend, so hopefully he'll be coming home, but we don't know that for sure. It could get extended, so keep him uh, in your prayers as he has been deployed. Um, as you look over to the friends and family side, um, and I'll come back to all your requests here in just a moment. Uh, as you look over to the friends and family side, uh, we want to remember uh, Brenda Lackey, and, uh, who, who had pneumonia, Charles Miller, uh, who's scheduled for triple bypass, a kidney infection, has UTI, that's Matt Kohler's uh, uncle. Do want to continue to remember the family of Randy Tatum. This is Ken Tatum's brother uh, as he passed away and they had his service last week, but keep that family in your prayers uh, as they continue to, to walk through those, those difficult times. Uh, do want to pray for Linda Ray. We'll have an update on her uh, here in just a moment. And then Laura Hendricks, we've added to the prayer list. That's uh, the daughter of Becky Moffat. Uh, they had told us, and we had removed her from the prayer list because they had told us they didn't, they found that she didn't have cancer. Uh, but it was a third party that did the scan. And so uh, the place where she is her, getting her cancer stuff from, they said they couldn't go by that. So they are going to be doing some cancer treatments on her. Uh, that is going to be like every other week that she's going to be having to do that, as Becky told me. So keep Laura in your prayers uh, through all of that. So uh, let me ask Miss Pat to give us the update on Miss Linda Ray. Linda is at home, still having a lot of issues, and uh, she'll go back in two weeks. And then her husband had emergency surgery Monday at Vanderbilt, and he won't be home till this weekend. They had, he was getting ready to come home and found some blood clots in his lungs. So we need to add him. His name is Doug Ray. Okay. I know him by Joe Ray. But she is at home, but she has to have someone with her all the time. So uh, the update there on Linda Ray is that she is home recovering, but uh, still keep her in your prayers. But her husband, Doug, or, or Joe, as some people yeah. might know him, uh, keep him in your prayers. He had an emergency surgery. I think that was Monday, Rex, you said? Monday, yes. And so uh, he's recovering from that and hopefully will be going home soon, but just keep him in your prayers uh, with that. Uh, is there any others that we need to add or any other updates we have on family or friends? Yes. Great. So that update is on Brenda Lackey. Uh, she's recovered from her pneumonia, and so we praise the Lord for that. We can remove her. Okay, so if you would add Teresa Seaborn to your prayer list at home. Uh, she's a second grade teacher at Bel Air uh, and has some real serious medical issues, so keep her in your prayers. Any other updates, any other requests? Looking online on Facebook there, I don't see any requests. 
don't see any more in here, so we'll go ahead and have a word of prayer. Uh, you can just remember, even if you're at home, you can go ahead and comment at Facebook anytime there. Uh, we will get those. You can do it on any of the other platforms, and we'll make sure to add that to the prayer list, even if we weren't able to say that uh, right now. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Yes. Who is this? Oliver, my great-grandson. He's the one that had the blood issue, and he has just tested over 300,000, which is way above where his number should be. That's great. That's awesome. And this is your grandson? Great-grandson. She just sent that. Okay. And so this is on Oliver? Nagy. Nagy. We had Oliver on our prayer list before, uh, but he is doing uh, so well. We had removed him from the prayer list, but we just got just like that, just like you can comment there on Facebook, an update on Oliver, uh, that he, uh, he had some blood tests done, and his, it was over 300,000 uh, in whatever number or particular thing that needed to be in, and that's well over where he needed to be in, so that's a praise. Uh, so thank you for your prayers for Oliver. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer then as we get ready to study our, the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and for the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your Word. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here tonight, to come before you in prayer, uh, especially to intercede on the behalf of others uh, who are in desperate need of your physical touch, of your healing touch upon them, of you ministering to their hearts and lives. Some of these need Jesus in their heart. Uh, they need to be saved, and we pray that through these circumstances they would be. But Lord, we know as we come to intercede on their behalves, we want to come before you with clean hearts, with forgiven hearts. Uh, Lord, we know we're not perfect, but we know that when we sin, we must confess our sin. We must repent of our sin and turn away from it. We know that your word tells us that if we hold on to that sin, you will not hear in our prayers from heaven. Uh, you will not answer from on high. And so, Father, we, we want you to hear. We want you to answer. We want to pray effectual, fervent prayers. And so, Father, we pray that you would hear our prayers tonight as we confess our sin before you and ask for the forgiveness and the cleansing of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, not on the basis of, of any of our righteousness or any of our good deeds that we might do, but knowing, Lord, that it's out of your grace and your mercy that you forgive us. And so we throw ourselves at your, uh, at your mercy and ask, Lord, for your cleansing and your forgiveness. Uh, Lord, we do come tonight to say thank you. Thank you so much for the answer to prayers that we've seen already, uh, as several we've been able to remove from the list because they're doing much better. Even the recent update we just got on Oliver, and, and Lord, how you're still continuing to show yourself powerful uh, in, in his and his family's life. So just continue, Lord, uh, to answer those prayers. But we give you the glory and the honor for those that you have brought the healing to, those that you are uh, still working in their hearts and in their lives. And so, Father, we just pray for your hand to be upon each and every one of them. Lord, we pray for those uh, who are in our nursing homes. Lord, we pray for Mary Campbell and Peggy Eggleston and Susie Barton. We pray for Bertie Davis and Miss Janet Carter. Uh, Lord, we pray for Floyd Prince and we pray for Sue also. We pray for Beverly Daniels. We pray for Miss Cindy Jordan. Lord, we ask that you would lay a special blessing upon those individuals. Uh, Father, we pray that you'll be with their caregivers and, and just give them uh, grace and mercy and wisdom and discernment as they're, take, you're, they're taking care of those individuals. But Father, we just pray for your presence to be with them. We pray, Lord, that they would be encouraged to know that they are not forgotten. Father, we pray that you'll make yourself known to them in a powerful way. And Father, I pray that you will bring healing to their bodies uh, where they need that healing. And Father, uh, help them to just keep pressing on one day at a time, one moment at a time, uh, in finding their, their peace in you and finding that strength to keep pressing forward in you. So help them to continue to stay healthy and to get better. Uh, but Father, we pray that you'll just bless them in the care that they're in in the nursing homes. And so, Father, we pray tonight, too, that you would be with uh, all of these that are needing your physical touch. Lord, we ask you to divinely intervene in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, to bring the healing they need, uh, to answer the needs and meet the needs that they have. Uh, because, Lord, we know that along with the physical needs goes along many other needs. And so we just lay all of those needs at the foot of the cross. And we ask, Lord, for you to just take those needs, meet them in your way, in a powerful way, Lord, that it will be a witness and a testimony to a lost and dying world of who you are. And 
and all that you will do and can do. So, Lord, we pray for your blessings upon those individuals. Be with our kids uh, that are in Awana tonight. Be with those workers and just give them wisdom as they're leading our kids to. We pray that the kids will learn your word and hide it in their hearts, uh, that they might not sin against you, that you'll help them to make right decisions in their lives. And, Father, we pray for our youth who are studying your word also and learning more about you. Lord, give them a passion and a hunger and a fire in their hearts for you. And we just pray, God, that you'll be with Pastor Matt and, and those who are helping in that. Uh, in the youth department. Father, we just pray for your blessings there. All the others, Lord, who are helping in so many other ways and, and those who are present here tonight, we just ask a special blessing on us tonight, whether we're here in person or watching online as we come to study your word in the book of Zechariah again. Help us, Lord, to see uh, the powerful relevance there for us in our lives where we are. And Father, I just pray that the words will leap off the pages of your word and that it'll take root into our hearts. Lord, that it'll be nourishment to our souls to give us strength for one more day to keep serving you. And may we do that every day, continuing to be faithful, to study your word, to grow in your word. And we ask your blessings in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Zechariah. If you don't know where Zechariah is, find the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you find Matthew, go back two books. Uh, you'll have Malachi and then Zechariah. Zechariah, we're going to be looking at tonight. We're actually going to be uh, finishing up the message that uh, had began last week because I still had one more uh, section here to look at uh, in the, the book of Zechariah in this chapter. Uh, and so we're looking at chapter 4 last week, uh, the, the message I had entitled, But By My Spirit. And so, uh, let me just kind of jump ahead here to where I need to be so we can move through as quickly as possible. I had been in point 2, uh, just so Ben will know where we are. Uh, God's Spirit overcomes the smallest beginnings. And we had looked at verse 8 down to verse 10. So that's where I want to begin in reading God's Word to kind of bring us back to that. And then we're just going to keep right on going into chapter 5. So verse 8 says, then the word of the Lord, this is chapter 4 of Zechariah, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. <clears throat> Verse 10 says, For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range through the whole Earth. So we talked about how in verse 8 through verse 10, Zechariah's fifth vision continues uh, with a word of encouragement to Zerubbabel. Because think about it, Zerubbabel's been discouraged. Uh, the, the foundation has been laid, nothing's been done for 16 years. Now God is stirring the hearts of people to come back to rebuild the temple, to finish building the walls of the temple. But Zechariah is thinking, there's no way that we're going to get this done in my lifetime, maybe in the next guy's lifetime, maybe in the next prophet, but not under me. Uh, and, and yet God brings this word of encouragement to him to tell him, Zechariah, your hands were there that laid the foundation, and your hands are going to be there to finish the work. Uh, and so what an encouragement that was uh, to him. He had started on the building project a number of years before, uh, and then even when things had, had stopped there, uh, God is encouraging him uh, to hear that word there in verse 9, that your hands laid the foundation, your hands will also complete it. Uh, and so Zerubbabel's hands there represent the whole of himself, uh, repeating that figure of speech, Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation and his hands will complete it. So it emphasizes the fact that Zerubbabel, uh, who had personally begun to build, would also personally finish it. Uh, and so it wasn't just a, uh, an expression or, or, or just a word, uh, it was actually literally going to happen. And as a result, the angel asks this question, uh, for whosoever has despised the day of small things. Now that word translated despised is the, is the Hebrew word buzz, uh, which means to scorn. It means to hold in contempt. 
It implies showing a disrespect for somebody or something. It's a word that's used in Proverbs to talk about fools uh, who despise God's wisdom. It's a word talked about also in Proverbs that's used to warn about the danger of disrespecting a mother or disrespecting a father. Uh, it's a word that's used in Proverbs to, to speak of, of to, to judge those who hold God's word in, in contempt. And so the angel's question in verse 10 carries with it this cautionary tone. Uh, and, and so a, another version captures it this way and says, who dares to make light of the small thing, of small beginnings? You know, so what he's saying here, what the vision is saying here to Zechariah is that the day of small things refers to the day when Zerubbabel and the, others, uh, the other returning Jews uh, had started work on the temple. And the longer Zerubbabel and his group went without completing the building, it seemed like the more insignificant the foundation seemed to be. Uh, and, and we've talked about that before, about places we've seen. And I shared the story last time about a church uh, back in Florida that I had seen when I was younger uh, that, that had a similar thing happen. Well, the similar thing happened in, with the temple in Jerusalem. For, for more than a decade and a half before Zerubbabel had laid the foundation, uh, he marked out the footings. Uh, the, he and the workers, along with the rest, remember they had had a big celebration. But now nothing had been done, and people are thinking, well, nothing's been done. So nothing's going to get done. Uh, nothing's going to happen. It hasn't happened for 10 years. It hasn't happened for 15 years. Nothing's ever going to happen. And so the Lord's message for Zerubbabel here was that when his spirit touches something that looks small to us, that looks inconsequential to us, God can and will do something significant with small things. It's kind of like the song uh, that we've heard before. Uh, little is much when God is in it. And so that's the truth. Maybe those who ridiculed the day of the small things were, were the older generation of Jews who, who believed that the new temple, oh, it's never going to compare uh, to the old temple uh, before the exile. We remember how beautiful that place was. It doesn't matter what you do with this, and it's never going to look like that one. And you've seen individuals like that even in, in today's Christian walk who, who, who they're always looking back and saying, I wish it was like it was in the good old days. There's a lot of things about the good old days that I'm glad we don't, uh, aren't like. I'm glad we have air condition. I'm glad we have heat inside uh, so we can heat when we're cold. Uh, there's a lot of things. You know, we tend to uh, take those little things like that. And so uh, here were those who were ridiculing it for whatever reason, uh, whether the ridicule came from the enemies on the outside or the critics on the inside. Uh, God himself promises uh, to that, that Zerubbabel is going to rejoice and that he himself is going to rejoice for Zerubbabel uh, when the mission is achieved. And so the language at the end of verse 10 uh, there has some difficulties. He talks about these seven eyes here. Uh, of the Lord. Uh, that's reminiscent of, uh, of the stone uh, that had seven eyes when you look back to Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 9. I'd encourage you to go back to listen to that message uh, to hear about those seven eyes. Remember the word seven, the number seven is a complete number. Uh, that, in other words, God sees completely. Well, the Hebrew word also translated their plumb line, because he says Zerubbabel is going to have this plumb line in his hand can also be interpreted to mean separated stone, which might be a reference to the capstone that's mentioned in verse 7. Uh, if the meaning's plumb line, then God Almighty who sees and knows all and promises to rejoice uh, as the construction of the temple begins under Zerubbabel's supervision. If it means the capstone, then God, God's almighty rejoicing comes at the temple's completion when the capstone is placed in place. In either case, whichever way you were to go in the interpretation of that, e even though Zerubbabel's enemies are mocking him at his attempts to rebuild the temple, the Lord is going to overcome those simple uh, beginnings there, those small beginnings uh, through the power of his spirit. And so while we all as believers uh, have the same ultimate purpose of living for God's glory, uh, the way that purpose fleshes out uh, in, in the details of our everyday lives differs from every Christian. But many of us have been in the same place that Zerubbabel was himself. God gave us an assignment. God called us to a task. He told us something we were supposed to do. Maybe we started it. We had good intentions. Maybe you have had impressed upon your heart at the beginning of this past year, uh, back in January, I'm going to read my Bible through this year. 
and you had good intentions and you started out good, just like Zaria Bible here, but the foundation lay after you got it laid. You laid it there in January, but then February came along and things got busy. And things got busier and busier as the, as the seasons went on. And then finally, it just lays there. You know, we all find ourselves where God has impressed upon our hearts something we should do. And we have those, we start well, but we have those unfinished dreams, those uncompleted goals, those, those dead visions or those half-built projects. We laid the foundation, but now you feel stuck. And, and so God's Word assures us, though, here, that through the power of God's Spirit, you can finish what He started. Because He will finish it if you'll allow Him. God's Spirit can overcome the small, the even frustrated beginnings, and in the end, the small things that some people despise will become finished projects that we will rejoice over. And so, so often we say that in, in the church, you know, there are people who, who've appointed themselves to discourage the, the dreamers and other people. You know, it's kind of like those people who, who, who you see a person who gets excited for the Lord and, and they want to go forward and do things for the Lord and then somebody comes along with a bucket of cold water and throws on them and says, calm down, boy. You're, you're getting a little too excited for the Lord. Uh, I remember, for instance, uh, when, when I felt the Lord uh, speaking to my heart uh, to, become a, to become a preacher. Uh, that's all I knew at the moment. I just knew God was calling me to be a preacher. I didn't know what all that involved and what all that uh, meant. If I did, I probably would have said, no, Lord, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'll do something different. But that's what the Lord laid on my heart. I waited two weeks before I went home and told my mom about it. And I went home, but I never told my mom for two weeks uh, because I knew the response I would get at that point in time in our life and uh, as a family. Sure enough, when I went home and told my mom, uh, she said, you're not going to be a preacher. Your grandmother's talked you into this. My grandmother had no clue. She hadn't even, I hadn't even talked to her until I went forward that evening uh, in that service, but I had not talked with my mom uh, at that point. My mom now is very encouraging uh, in that work, but that was a discouraging moment for me as a young uh, guy. I was 13 years old uh, when I felt that call uh, to, to, to the ministry. Uh, you know, and when you have those kind of moments like that and you have a family member and not just any family member, your, your mom or your dad who says, no, you're not going to do that. How discouraging that is. But then we remember that we serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. And so even though I was discouraged about that, I did let that keep me from doing some things that I really felt when I look back, I should have done this, I should have done that. But the Lord still worked in my heart and still worked in my life. I did things. I was working in the church, uh, teaching Sunday school, uh, teaching in discipleship training, eventually became a Sunday school leader, discipleship training leader. Uh, but it wasn't doing what the Lord had called me to. And I still felt that uneasiness and that unrest. And, and so it was like the foundation had been laid, but nothing had been built on it. And, and so it came to that moment where I, I was like, I was very discouraged about it and then this encouragement come to me from the Lord that the work I began in you, I'm going to complete that work. All I need you to do is to be faithful to what I've called you to do. And I began on that journey from there. You know, when we serve God, He can do things that seem impossible. I'm thankful for the people who encouraged me to pursue God's calling on my life rather than, than dousing that dream uh, that God had placed into my heart. We need people like that in our lives. And even when no one else sees the, the vision or, or the calling that God has given us, the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us encourages us and overcomes those smallest beginnings. In, in Philippians, Paul assured the believers and said in Philippians 1 verse 6, and I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So surrender it to the Lord. And then you come to verse 11 down to verse 14, and we see that God's Spirit uses the unlikeliest people. He uses the unlikeliest people. Verse 11 says, Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And a second time I answered and said to him, What are these two branches of the olive trees which are beside the two golden pipes which from, from which the golden oil is poured out? He said to me, do you not know what these are? As if he was supposed to know. Don't you know what these are? And he said, no, my Lord. 
Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So at the conclusion of this fifth vision, Zechariah asked the angel who's been revealing this vision to him, those two questions. Uh, the one found there in verse 11 with the olive tree, the second one that's on either side of the menorah there, uh, the candlestick, the, the second question there in verse 12, uh, which is a little more specific, uh, asking for the identity of the two olive uh, branches uh, beside those gold conduits that are filled with gold, uh, which the golden oil, which literally the gold flows from. So, so after that conversation in verse 13, he gives him the answer at the end of verse 13 and verse 14. It's the two anointed ones. It's the two sons uh, of the oil. The phrase indicates there are two individuals, two men who have been set apart and anointed by God as his special representatives. Now, the identity there of these two men isn't explicitly mentioned in the text. Uh, the context strongly indicates that it must be Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua, the high priest, that we've been reading about in these first uh, four chapters. Uh, Joshua, the high priest, we met back in chapter 3, and we're going to see him again when we get to chapter 6. He symbolizes the spiritual leadership uh, of God's people. So Joshua and Zerubbabel, uh, they, were, they were unlikely people for God to use. And so that's what he's saying with these two branches that God's Spirit flows through by whom God has promised to complete His work in Jerusalem. They weren't like a Moses. They weren't like an Aaron. They weren't a David. They weren't a Solomon. They weren't a Billy Graham. And you don't have to be. Uh, they were Joshua and they were Zerubbabel. Think about Zerubbabel. Uh, he was by all accounts a godly man, and yet he had an ungodly name. Because look at what his name in, includes in his name was the word Babel. Babel, his name means descendant of Babylon. To have a name of that. Zerubbabel's very name brought to mind this wicked kingdom of Babylon. And although Zerubbabel descends from a kingly line, he was the grandson of King Jehoiakim of Judah, and he wasn't a king himself. Zerubbabel wasn't. And so instead, he's a governor. He's a servant ruler under the authority of a pagan king. So he's one of the most unlikely people to be used by God here. Then you think about Joshua. He's a high priest, but he doesn't have a temple to serve in. He can't do any of the functions that a high priest was supposed to be doing. You last saw him in chapter 3 being cleansed from the horrible filth. Remember we talked about that? It was like uh, poop, if you will, uh, excrement that was all over him, uh, giving that emphasis of the sin uh, that, was, that was on the people there. Uh, he, he has a famous name, actually has a beautiful name, which means Yahweh, which means God delivered. And yet anytime we teach or talk about him, you have to distinguish him from the Joshua uh, who's the famous leader of Israel who took control of the promised land uh, of Canaan. So uh, imagine a man in heaven uh, one day who introduces himself as Joshua from the Old Testament. And you need to ask, well, which Joshua are you? Are you Joshua who conquered uh, Canaan or are you this Joshua? Uh, and so this Joshua is lowercase j. Uh, Joshua with a minor, this Joshua was a minor character uh, in a book written by a minor prophet. He served alongside a, a plain old ordinary governor. A and still God promises, I'm going to use these two unlikely men to do great and mighty things. If he would do that with these two, what would he do with you? What an awesome encouragement for us as we look at the Scripture there uh, and see all that God does, using the most unlikely to bring about His will, using ordinary instruments and unlikely people to do great things. You know, we might be tempted to say, I'm not much. Uh, I don't have much. I don't know much. I can't do much. You know what? That doesn't matter to God. That doesn't matter to God. Here's what matters. Are you willing to take who you are and what you are and what you have and place all of yourself into his hands? Zariah Bible, the unlikely governor who descended from David, points forward to the coming Messiah who would one day sit on David's throne and rule the nations 
in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and verse 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Then notice it says, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's the encouragement about what Zerubbabel would be doing. Lowercase j Joshua reminds us of the coming Messiah who, whose name belongs in all caps, underscored, bold print, the one who the Bible calls the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, he's the one who passed through the heavens, the Jesus, the Son of God. And it's through him, by trusting in him as our Lord and our Savior, that we can turn a discouraging situation into an exciting success. The question is, are we willing to turn the sails of our life towards the Spirit and His Spirit, if we do, can be that wind in our sails and take us where He wants us to go? Because God's Spirit can conquer incredible obstacles and turn mountains into valleys. His Spirit can make great things out of small beginnings. And His Holy Spirit can take and use the least likely people for His glory. His Spirit can do what our might and what our strength could never do as we give ourselves to Him. And so then that brings us uh, to where we are tonight here in these verses uh, in chapter 5 uh, to lead us into the next vision. So in chapter 5, in verse 1, uh, down through uh, verse 4, let me open this up. It says, again, in verse 1, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a flying scroll. Now we're getting a little bit out there with, with the vision, at least from our perspective. We'll see what all this means. And he said to me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out uh, according to what is on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. He says, I'll send it out, declares the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name, and it shall remain in his house and consume it, both timber and stone. Well, as you look at those verses there, the thing that we want to see from this is the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal sin. That's what we're seeing uh, in this vision here. Uh, the, the fifth and sixth visions here really kind of go together. They go back to back and kind of emphasize the similar principles here. Uh, so we need to keep it in mind and keep it in perspective from what we saw in, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, that says, not by strength or by might, but by my spirit. Uh, and when you do that, these visions expand on that theme of the power of God's Spirit to work in the lives of His people. The one truth that I want you to take away from these passages tonight is this, is that God's power, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power works in our lives to accomplish things we never could do. So notice here that God's Spirit has the power to reveal and to remove the darkest sin. In chapter 5 of Zechariah, we see that sixth and seventh vision uh, that he shows him. They go together. Uh, you see them almost as one. In the sixth vision, that's in verse 1 down through verse 4, we see this flying scroll, which represents the power of the Spirit to reveal sin. So this scroll, when it's unfolded, it is, it's a giant scroll that, that if you could imagine in your mind, it's like a, a waving flag that's waving up in the air. It's floating uh, around in the air. It looks like a flag flying over the land. The Hebrew text describes the scroll as 20 cubits long, 10 cubits wide. Now, one of the principles you can learn from the Bible about how big a cubit is 
It's about from the tip of your fingers down to your elbow. It's about 18 inches, uh, thereabouts. Uh, no, they didn't measure it to say, oh, it has to be 18 inches. They just took their hand and they measured it. So one guy's hand might be this big and the other guy's hand might be a little bit shorter, but they all were pretty close in that, uh, thinking about that from the tip of the fingers down to the elbow. That's what a cubit was. So a cubit being roughly 18 inches, that would make the dimensions of this scroll to be about 30 feet long and about 15 feet wide. It's an enormous scroll flying over the entire land of Israel. Uh, a good way to imagine it is kind of like if you've ever been to the beach or you've been to sporting events and you'll see planes that'll be flying over and they've got those big banners that are waving behind the plane uh, advertising something. In much the same way, this scroll is flying over the land, huge and impossible to ignore. You can't miss it. Additionally, we find out that words are written all over the scroll. There's things that are written on the, the, the top side of it or the front side of it. There's things that are written on the back side of it uh, that are declaring the charges of God against his people because of their sin. On one side, the scroll describes the, the theft, the sin, and it promises to remove thieves from the land. On the other side of the scroll, it lists their acts of deception, and it promises God's curse for all, uh, the, all the people's lives. Warren Wiersbe says in his commentary that the reason why the Lord selected only two of the command, Ten Commandments uh, in this vision, uh, that of stealing and that of swearing falsely, is because the third commandment is the central commandment of the first uh, tablet of the law, and the eighth commandment is the central uh, commandment of the second half, of the second tablet. And so this flying scroll filled with these charges, filled with these judgments written on them, is a reminder that evil, that sin, is an offense to God. In, in other words, it's flying up there and he's saying, I can see, you can't hide it from me. I see it, I know, I, but I also care but I also am going to judge when God's people cheat one another or they steal or they fail to tell the truth. And so when you think about it, when, when students who are believers cheat on a test, God knows, but God also cares. When a Christian a business person takes unfair advantage of a client, God knows, but God also cares. When a Christian husband uh, and, and wives deceive each other or they break their, their covenant vows of marriage, God knows but God also cares. This large flying scroll in this sixth vision is representing the knowledge of God, God's knowledge of his people's guilt and the promise of God's judgment because of their sin. And so the Lord promises there is going to be swift, severe punishment, judgment, for the sin of the people, banishing those who have been stealing, those thieves from the land, and a complete destruction of the house of those who are swearing falsely by his name. In other words, they're saying they love God, they're saying they worship God, but their hearts are far from it, just like what Jesus tells us about in the New Testament. We can thank God that even though his spirit reveals our sins, here's the, here's the important thing for us tonight. He doesn't leave us to deal with our sin. He doesn't leave us in our guilt and, and the consequences. If the Holy Spirit only convicted us of sin, he would leave us in the most miserable uh, position. So Zechariah's next vision shows, that, shows what God's Spirit does when he reveals, after he reveals our sin. So look down to verse 5, down through verse 11. So the angel, then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, Lift your eyes and see what this is uh, that is going out. I said, what is it? He said, this is the basket that is going out. You're thinking a basket. What in the world are we going to learn from a basket? We saw a banner. That kind of makes a little sense. It could be written on both sides. It's God declaring his word to them. But what is the basket here that's going out? He said, this is their iniquity, their sin, in all the land. Verse 7, and he said, And behold, the, leader, the, the leaden cover was lifted. So this basket has, a, has like a lead lid on top of it. 
and he says, the lead lid is removed from the basket. And there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this woman, this is wickedness in verse 8. And he thrust her back in the basket, and he put, thrust the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork. And they filled up the basket between earth, and they lifted it up between heaven, earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. So this is a strange vision that he's been given here. The, he talks about this basket. It represents the sin of the people. Uh, now, the basket, the container there, is, 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 is an ephah. It's a large barrel, a large basket that's used for, for measurement. It would be the measuring basket, uh, which would be, be used for, for buying and selling wheat or things like that uh, to measure out that you're getting the, the right amount. Uh, but it symbolizes the sin of the people in using false measurements. They were cheating one another. They were being dishonest with one another. Prior to the exile, here's what Amos had said about that kind of dishonesty. Amos chapter 8 verse 4 said, Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the moon be over and that we may sell, sell grain? And the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small, make it smaller than it is so we can cheat people, and the shekel great so that when we put the shekel on the weight scales, we want it to weigh more than it's supposed to weigh, so that we can make the shekel great and deal deceitfully with small balances. That's all they cared about, just getting back to business as usual, that we may buy the, buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. Verse 7, the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. So even after the return from Babylon, they're still doing the same old things. They're still using dishonest scales. They're still weighing out false measurements that was still a problem. And so the, the capacity of a normal ephah used by the Jews was somewhere between 5 and 10 gallons. And, and so just like, the scroll, just like the scroll from the previous vision was much larger than a normal scroll, this basket in this vision is, is much bigger than a normal ephah. How do we know that? Because there's a woman sitting in the basket. It's not just some little basket. There's, there's enough room for a woman to sit in it with a lid on top of it. And so when it's removed, here's this woman. He's told this woman is called wickedness. And this woman in the ephah is forced back down, put the lid back on. Then these two women come with wings of a stork uh, to pick up this basket containing the women. Now, <clears throat> you could debate whether these are uh, instruments of evil or good. God is using them for his purpose no matter what. Now, in the Bible, the stork is considered an unclean animal. You can see that in Leviticus chapter 11, Deuteronomy chapter 14. So their actions, the actions toward the woman in the ephah, could be interpreted as protecting her. Uh, yet these creatures are doing the work of God and removing wickedness from the land. But two clues in this verse indicate that these winged women are God's servant. First, these women are said to have the wind in their wings. What did we learn back in chapter uh, 4? That the wind represents the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Uh, so the idea is here they're being carried along by the wind, by the Spirit of God that helps them uh, in their flight. And, and that word wind representing the Holy Spirit there. Uh, the wind was also used as the instrument of God's hand. Psalm 104 verse 4 uh, says he makes his messengers winds, uh, his ministers a flaming fire. And even more so, their wings are said to be like that of a stork. Uh, so the Hebrew word for stork sounds similar to another word that can mean loyalty, which probably means these creatures were loyal to God to remove the evil from God's people. So there was sin, but he says, now I'm removing it. I'm removing this basket of, of wickedness, this woman of wickedness. And so the idea is this wickedness is so offensive uh, in the promised land that it has a home and a place of honor. Where? In Babylon, in Shinar. Shinar is Babylon. 
It's not just a place uh, of Israel's exile. It's a place that represents sin and idolatry and rebellion and wickedness. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 11, which we will be getting there soon uh, in our Sunday night study in Genesis uh, and learn about the Tower of Babel. When the people of Shinar tried to build a tower to make their way up to God. It's the earliest form in scripture uh, that Babylon represents a system uh, of, of being proudly opposed to God. The book of Revelation also ends talking about Babylon. That Babylon in the last days is the religious, the political world system uh, based on the rebellion against God in Revelation 17 to 18. So from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, Babylon signifies sin. So this vision is communicating a clear message from God. He is promising to take the guilt, to take the iniquity, the sin, to take the wickedness of his people and carry it as far as the east is from the west. What an awesome picture to see in this vision here. In the flying scroll, we see how uh, the Holy Spirit reveals the sin. In the woman in the basket, the wickedness in the basket flown back to Babylon, we can see how the Holy Spirit removes sin from God's presence. What a powerful picture for us to see and to understand here. So understand that no matter how hard we may try, we can't cover our sin, uh, we can't deny our sinful nature, our own sin will eventually uh, awake from its sleep, shake off its cover, uh, and sin's consequences will devour us. If it wasn't for the saving grace of the Master's hand, sin would eat us alive. But there's no sin from which the power of the Holy Spirit cannot deliver us. Understand, sometimes God delivers us from sin instantly. We ask God to deliver us from a particular sin. He takes away the, the heart that's leaning toward that sin so that we never struggle with that anymore. Sometimes God takes sin away from us that way, but many times God takes sin away from us on a day-by-day -day basis as day after day you walk with Him and He teaches you to trust in His power in the power of the Holy Spirit for that daily deliverance from sin's power in our lives. What a picture in these two visions. Here's sin, but God's not going to leave you there. If you'll trust in him, he'll take the sin as far as the east is from the west. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that not only convicts us of our sin, but Lord also shows us the way, that the way to be forgiven of our sin is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That all we have to do is to come to you and to confess that sin, and your word tells us that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. So cleanse us, Lord. Lord, renew us in our walk with you and help us, Lord, to be faithful to you one day at a time, one moment at a time. Bless us, Lord every day, to get up every day uh, seeking to do your will. But Lord, knowing when we sin, may we repent of it, Lord. May you convict us of that sin so that we can deal with it then. And Lord, may you take that sin away from us. Take that incline, inclination in our heart towards sin away from us. And help us, Lord, to live faithfully for you one day at a time, one moment at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining with us uh, there online, and uh, glad you could be there with us, whether you're there online on Facebook, on YouTube, Twitter, uh, or you're there on our phone live streaming. Thank you for being there. We'll be back Sunday morning, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 uh, for worship, so please uh, come and join us in person if you can. Uh, we're having some wonderful services lately. This will be service right before Thanksgiving. We won't be meeting next Wednesday, so just keep that in in mind. Uh, so happy Thanksgiving if we don't see you who are our Wednesday night crowd uh, until then. Uh, but we'll see you this coming Sunday, uh, 915 and 1030. You have a blessed week.